All right. Our Old Testament reading this morning is Psalm 135, uh, verses 1 through 4. And in the same way with the children's sermon, we're looking at a different book during Advent. We're going to do the same with our Old Testament, New Testament readings. We have been reading through Exodus and through Mark, but uh, doing a little different. We're going to go through Psalm 135 and Luke chapter 2. So uh, first, Psalm 135, verses 1 through 4. And before we read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. God, we do thank you for your word which you have given to us. God, we thank you also uh, for Jesus, for your word made flesh. God, we pray that you would help us in our reading of uh, your word this morning to come to know you more. God, that as we come to know you um, through your word, we would know you through your word that has been written and your word that has been uh, lived, that has died and been raised again. God, we ask that, that we would know this kind of life now and forever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 135, verses 1 through 4. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, you servants of the Lord. You who minister in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name, for that is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob to be his own, Israel to be his treasured possession. Turning then. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. We get the verses of the um, Christmas story that so often just get read right over that are worth considering. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone, and everyone went to their own town to register. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as we are looking at a different book with the children's sermon, we're looking at different books for the Old Testament reading, the New Testament reading. We're actually going to look at some different places throughout the Bible in the kind of this Advent time. And uh, this morning, and we'll get back to our... Revelation series in January. But for now, we're looking at different passages in the New Testament that uh, talk about who Jesus is. And if, if you haven't read through the Gospels recently or regularly, um, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, this is where we get kind of the clearest picture of who Jesus is and what he has done. But in the same way, there's a lot of who Jesus is and what he's doing, that even in front of the people who are watching him do it, they're hearing the things he's saying, they're seeing the things he's doing, and every bit of it is pointing to who he is, and yet there are people who are seeing it and just completely missing it. They don't see who he really is. They don't understand what it is that he's doing. And so as you get farther in the New Testament, you get some of these passages where, um, where Paul and some of these other writers are saying, and for those of you who've missed it, this <laughs> is what this is about. This is who he is. 
and what's going on here. And so this is what we're going to look at in Philippians chapter 2, um, verses 1 through 18. And before we even get into this, <laughs> there is, this Sunday is the, uh, the Advent theme of peace. And, you know, we sang, sang the song earlier, you know, it was peace on earth, goodwill to men. And yet the songwriter, is, uh, he hears this message, is like, there's no peace on earth. There's not. That, what it, in the world? And so it says, in despair, he bows his head. There is no peace on earth. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And for a lot of us, that is kind of our experience in the world. And when we're talking about peace, uh, biblically, it, that's the idea of just the, it's not just an absence of fighting. Like a cold war is not the same thing as peace. But peace is this shalom, this, that's uh, the Hebrew word, it's this idea of um, like everything the way it's supposed to be. And so when you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and you look at how God created everything and he's got a place for everything and everything in its place and everything is in right relationship, that's shalom. That's peace. That's what it's supposed to be. And then instead, what we have is um, very often not that, right? And so what we have instead is um, this, this breakdown of peace, this breakdown of the way things are supposed to be. And this starts very early on and continues on. I'll just give you one example of how this works, and you'll just sort of have to play along with me on this. Uh, but imagine that you and I are having a conversation at some point, and you say something. You don't mean anything by it. You're not trying to you know, be mean in any way. But somehow I hear it wrong. I misinterpret it. I think, oh, I cannot believe you just said that to me. How dare you? <laughs> And, and when I hear that, now I'm like, oh, well, I've got to, I can't let them get away with that. So the next interaction, I've got to make sure that I somehow teach you a lesson, right? Well, but you don't think you've done anything wrong. You don't think there's any lesson to be taught. And so now that I've come back at you with some sort of attack, now you feel like, well, that's an unprovoked attack. Well, now I've got to respond to teach him a lesson, right? And so now you're uh, coming back at me. And so round and round we go, right? You've been there before? You ever lived that one with anybody? I suspect that probably everybody in this room has been through at least one cycle of that in their life with somebody. Probably lots and lots of those cycles throughout your life. And if everybody here is like that, what do you think about everybody around the world going through that kind of thing? Where we're all in this cycle of retaliation, everybody believing that I'm completely justified in what I'm doing because, after all, they're the one who came at me. Right? Now, is this the shalom? <laughs> is this the peace? Is this the way things are supposed to be? No. And I think it's pretty easy for us to look at that and say, well, of course not. That's not how it's supposed to be. But what are you going to do? Right? If somebody comes at you, you can't just let them get away with that, right? So what is it? What are we supposed to do? I mean, all we're really doing here 
as just looking out for our own interests. With that in mind, let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, Paul has just talked about um, how everything that's going on in his life, he considers a win. Like, there are things that are happening that everybody, you might be concerned about what's happening to me. Yeah, I'm in prison, and, um, you know, there are people who are out to get me and all that kind of stuff. And you might be worried, but I'm not worried because I see that everything, everything that's going on is still a win because of who Jesus is and how he is the king over everything. And I trust him in bringing everything uh, the way it needs to be. And uh, and so he has just talked about that in his own life. He says, I want the same kind of thing for you. And so then we get to chapter 2, and he says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. There's a lot in here um, that we're not even going to touch on today, but uh, there are a few things that I do want to make sure that we don't miss. And um, the first is in early on in chapter two, where it says, um, make my joy complete, this is verse two, make my joy complete by being like-minded. If we hear that wrong, we miss the whole thing. When Paul is talking about being like-minded. That doesn't mean uh, that we all think the same things about all the things. That there is no more uh, room to disagree about anything because we all think just alike. That's not what he means. (laughs) But there is something, and so we could hear it that way and then miss the point. 
because he's saying that he does want us to be like-minded, but what does like-minded mean if it doesn't mean that? I'm going to describe somebody. I want you to tell me if I'm talking about Jesus or Paul. One of them had this attitude uh, that basically was like, it, it doesn't matter. Like no matter what anybody else does to me or says about me, I'm going to live my life in a way that brings glory to God. Who am I talking about? Is that Jesus or Paul? It's both. (laughs) No matter what other people do to me or say about me, I'm going to live my life in a way that brings glory to God. You see that in both of them, don't you? This is what Paul is talking about all through chapter 1 in Philippians. And this is what then he gets into in chapter 2 and says, and I don't want that it's just like Jesus is like this and now you know I'm like this because of him and uh, but you guys just go ahead and live the rest the way the rest of the world lives the way that you live by nature uh, apart from Jesus just just go ahead with that like no 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 because what I'm finding as I live my life this way is that there is a peace there is a joy there is uh, this contentment that I have in Christ that you don't have any other way. And it's like, and I want that for you. Have you ever had um, that experience where you have something that's it's just really cool and you, the, you just want to share it with somebody else? You hear a good song or you see a uh, great painting or you watch a good movie or you read a good book and, or you eat a good meal and you're like, you got to taste this. You gotta, like, whatever it is, you want to share it with somebody else because it's so good. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, yeah, I'm in prison and there are people who are out to get me. And yet... I have a kind of peace and a joy and a contentment in these situ- in this kind of circumstance that I wish for you in whatever circumstance you're in. And it only comes by having this same kind of mindset that Jesus himself has. This is what his, uh, he has given to me, and this is what I want for you as well. It's, that's what it means to be like-minded. It's to have uh, the same kind of mindset as Jesus. Now, am I making this up? Maybe. But look at verse 5. He actually then says again, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Okay, I don't think I was making it up. I think we're on track here. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's what it means to be like-minded, to have a mind that is like Christ in the way that he is um, going about everything, especially in our relationships with one another. And then he goes on to describe, well, what does that look like? Now think about this again. Think about this sort of circle of retaliation that does such violence to the shalom of this world. Is that the way that Jesus interacts with people? No. Is that the way he interacts with us? No. What is it? What is it that... um, It kind of short circuits that whole cycle of retaliation. What is it that cuts that off? Grace. Mercy. It's treating people better than they deserve. And so when you feel like somebody has come at you, they've said something or they've done something, you're like, I got to get them back. Grace says, no, you don't. 
you can treat them better than they deserve. This is the same kind of thing that Jesus teaches. We read this. We read this a lot, and we read it a lot because it's hard to hear. But Jesus says, because, or, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. This is not the cycle of retaliation, is it? Cycle of retaliation says, if you have an enemy, you better win. You better (coughs) defeat them somehow. If there's someone who hates you, hate them back. Do horrible things to them. If there are those who are cursing you, (laughs) well, just get on the cursing yourself. If there's someone who's mistreating you, then you are well within your rights to just mistreat them back. Right? That's normal. That's natural. That's the cycle of retaliation. This is what just keeps going on. It continues to do violence to the shalom of God's good world. But Jesus says the opposite. He says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. In case you think I'm making that one up, this is in Luke chapter 6, verse 27 and 28. But this is, of course, uh, this is what Jesus doesn't just teach. This is what he does, right? And when we are uh, looking forward to Christmas and we're celebrating the incarnation, we're saying, well, what does it mean for Jesus to be born? Is it just a baby being born? A baby being born is always miraculous, but is that what we're celebrating? Now, this particular baby, there's something very... Um, very special here. And that is, as Paul describes our relationships with one another, he says, you know, have the same mindset as Jesus, who, verse 6 in Philippians 2, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. This is what we're celebrating at Christmas. This incarnation this word becoming flesh, this uh, Jesus who is in very nature God, instead of saying, yeah, they are in a mess and there's nothing they can do. And boy, I'm glad I'm not in that mess. Right? He's not. And yet he comes. He joins in the messiness of this world knowing what that's, going to, uh, what that's going to cost. Verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. There's a common pattern that we see throughout the Bible. There's this idea of um, two forms of it. One is where you go up and up and up, and then down, 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 down. <laughs> and so uh, you have someone like King Saul, King Solomon, um, but you have this this rise and then fall, right? And we even tell stories this way in um, 
modern day biographies. You read about the rise and fall of so and so, right? The rise and fall of empires, even. But it's this up, 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 and then down, and down. But the pattern of Jesus is the opposite. It's down, 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 and then up, up, up. And so if you look at what happens with Jesus, it's this being in very nature God, yet he humbles himself. And we're told that God opposes the proud, but he exalts the humble. And so you look at all these stories of the rise and fall of whatever, of whoever, and you go, oh, well, that makes sense because God opposes the proud. So <laughs> the higher they get, the more the, the crash is coming. But does it work the other way? Not only does God oppose the proud, but he also exalts the humble? Yeah. And so you look at Jesus who uh, comes down. I mean, the night, of, the night before he goes to the cross, he has his disciples gathered together and he washes their feet. And you remember, like, Peter's objecting to this. And the reason Peter's objecting to this is because he, it doesn't seem right for someone who has this elevated status of a rabbi, of his teacher, to be lowering himself as low as someone who would wash his feet. Which when you realize who Jesus really is and how much he's already lowered himself to even be in the position of a teacher, <laughs> it, it doesn't even make sense. It's like uh, Peter is, you know, Jesus has come from here to here and Peter is concerned because now he's lowered himself from here to here. <laughs> you know? The distance between a, um, you know, the respected position of a rabbi and the lower position of a servant from the perspective of heaven is nothing. <laughs> but Peter doesn't get how far Jesus has come down. But then, because Jesus is one who has humbled himself more than anyone, guess what? He's also the one who's exalted more than anyone. And so this is where we see uh, verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is what we are celebrating in this Advent time, this Advent season, where we look back at Jesus coming uh, in humility and in service, and we are also looking forward to the time when he comes again and every knee bows and every tongue acknowledges that Jesus is Lord. Not that he will be Lord, but he is Lord. And because of this, then Paul says, okay, that's how Jesus lived. This is the trajectory of his life. It's the down first and up later. <laughs> it's as you're intentionally uh, humbling yourself as you are intentionally serving others. This is what Jesus said, right? Whoever wants to be, uh, it's the first, they're going to be last. The last are going to be first. If you want to be great, be a servant. That's what this kingdom is like. He tells uh, <laughs> stories like um, of people who look out for their own interests and those who look out for the interests of others. you got the good Samaritan, and he's like, there's this guy who's in need, and a real religious man walks by, and looks out for his own needs and for his own interests. And then another one comes by and looks out for his own interests. And then a Samaritan comes by and instead of looking out for his own interests, looks out for the interests of the other. 
And this is what Jesus describes it looks like when people not only love God, but love their neighbor as themselves. And so this is, you know, after intentionally humbling ourselves, it's the then trusting that God will raise us up. That we don't need to do that uh, on ourselves. We don't need, like they did in the Tower of Babel, to make a name for ourselves. We don't remember any of their names. But instead, like Abram, Abraham, trust God to make a name for us. And if the name that we have is the name of Christian, just one who is like Christ, that's a good name. So what Paul tells uh, the church in Philippi to do is live like this. Live like this. Stop with that cycle of retaliation and humble yourselves and serve and uh, cut off that cycle with grace and with mercy. You know what he says is going to happen if we do this? Let's do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Isn't that a great picture? Like when you go out and you look at the night sky, it looks very different than the, the sky in the daytime, doesn't it? The sky at night is just this deep blackness, except for like these points of light. So that's what it'll be like when you have people who are actually living the Jesus life in the midst of a whole population that doesn't. These people will stand out. They will shine like stars. And in fact, I think this looks very similar to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. He says, therefore, uh, no, it's in the same way. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what it's all about, right? That's what we talked about at the beginning with when looking at Jesus or Paul. Is no matter what anybody does or says, I'm going to live my life in a way that brings glory to God. Right? Now, one final thing. And this is... I think, personally, is often the hardest part. So we saved it to the end. (laughs) And that is, um, as followers of Jesus, I believe it is our responsibility to go first. To go first with service, with generosity, hospitality, with grace, and with mercy. Here's why I mean this is hard. Because a lot of us can nod right along and say, yes, I get it. I need to um, follow Jesus in uh, being good to my enemy, and I will as soon as they stop being horrible to me. So as soon as they start making amends, 
then sure, I'm open to it. We can have a relationship. That's fine. But they got to straighten up first. But you hold that attitude up next to the attitude of Jesus. And it doesn't match, does it? That is what is natural. That is what comes to us just naturally as a part of this human, broken human experience. But the Christian way is different. The Christian way is following Jesus in actually going first. That is, while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. And so it is while people are still our enemies that we are to love them. It is while they are still cursing us and mistreating us that we are to bless them and do good to them and pray for them. Now, how we do that? (laughs) We do that because we remember that this is who we are as Christians. That we are those who have already had this done for us. So we're actually not going first after all. Jesus goes first. He goes first in our own lives. And because of that, we can just follow that lead as we then go first in extending grace and mercy to those who, just like us, don't deserve it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.